Good morning. You guys awake today? You ready for the word of the Lord? I am excited for what God wants to share this morning and uh, super excited about uh, the next few weeks. We're going to be talking about what's next. Have you ever asked yourself that question? Well, what's next? Have you ever been posed that question or have you ever in prayer speaking to God say, hey God, what's next? That's kind of what we're going to be talking about here today. So let's just take a little time. We're going to pray and then we're going to get into this this uh, next series. Lord, we just thank you for the opportunity of joining together in your name. And Lord, I thank you that, Father, that we, Father, in us, you've given us everything we need for life and godliness. And Lord, I thank you that, Father, that you want to do awesome and amazing and powerful things through every individual that is listening today, God, uh, whether being here with us today or even listening, God, uh, through SoundCloud. And God, we thank you that, Lord, that you would just touch lives in a powerful way. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, for the next few weeks, we're going to go through and we're going to ask some thought-provoking questions to hopefully stir you onto good works. We just came through a sermon series that was very challenging and I believe uh, very, um, how can I word this, um, cutting. And so we're going to go into something that's, that's a little more upbeat and something that can kind of kind of spring us forward. And so the title of, of, of our next series is What's Next? Because that's the big question, friends, we need to ask ourselves. We need to ask ourselves. And so if you're following along, we, there is not a, a version Live account, but you can follow along on your smartphone and your phone and on the screen today. The question that we need to ask ourselves is what's next? What's the next step? Or what is the area that I need to grow in? How many of us know that our Christ-centered journey is an adventure. If you know that, that our Christ-centered uh, journey with the Lord is an adventure, raise your hand. And for those of us who didn't raise your hands, hopefully by the end of the service today, we'll understand that it is an adventure. That we're designed to go from glory to glory. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 says this. It says, uh, that we're to go from glory to glory. In verse 18, it says, But we all with unveiled face behold as in a mirror the glory of the Lord are being transformed. Say transformed. Transformed is when you're from one thing and then you move or you, you are designed or you're turned into something else. Transformed into the same image from glory to glory. Say glory to glory. Just as from the Lord, the Spirit. And so, friends, if you've ever heard that phrase or that terminology, if you've been in church long enough, you'll probably hear that, that we are called to go from glory to glory. That's the verse that, that is being shared or being talked about is that verse in 2 Corinthians. Friends, in another translation, it says that we're called to go from one glory, one degree of glory to the next. Say one degree to the next. We were built for progression. Friends, we were made to grow. Grow in grace, grow in knowledge, grow in faith. Even Paul says this in Philippians chapter 3, verse 14. He says, I press on towards the goal. Say the goal. For the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. So Paul is pressing on. He's moving forward towards the goal. So the question that we have to ask ourselves is, friends, what is your goal? What is my goal? What is our goal? We need to ask ourselves, what is next for us personally? What's next? What's next for you? What's next for your family? 
Where does your family, where's your family at and where does your family need to go? And then finally, thirdly, what's next for this body of believers? What's next for the church? You see, many people become dumbfounded with this question of what's next because they don't really have a clear idea or clarity about, about this whole thing. It's one of the reasons I made this series. If you, if you are, are, you know, hip to TV and movies and stuff like that, I don't know if you have recognized this theme that I made. It's the theme of the Riddler. Did you, anybody pick that up? Anybody catch that? And even the purple in the letters, it's the whole Riddler theme. Because for, for most of us, it's kind of a riddle. Most people don't know what their future looks like. It's a bunch of questions. And if you've ever watched the old Batman with the Riddler, he always came before Batman with questions. And so today, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask thought-provoking questions to hopefully inspire, challenge, or maybe help us to think outside the box a little bit. Does that sound good? Sounds good to me. I'm excited about this. I got this deposit. I'm like, yes, Lord. Uh, that's good. I need that. I'm like, mm. Because sometimes we get a piece, sometimes we get little bits, but we don't understand the full magnitude of what we're called to do or what is next for our lives. And it just reminds me again of the Riddler. Riddle me this, riddle me that. Proverbs chapter 29 and verse 18 says this. It's one of the foundational scriptures that we have started and planted and, and live. That's why we call our church vision is because where there is no vision, the people perish. Where there's no vision. And so, friends, we got to have eyes to see. we got to know what it is. So my question and a thought-provoking question I'm asking today is, have you tapped into God's vision for your life? Have you tapped into God's vision for your life? Have you? Maybe you have, maybe you haven't. The second question is, what are you doing to move in that direction? If you know the vision that the Lord has for you, what are you doing to move in that direction? For example, Joy and I, when we planted Vision Ministries uh, 11 years ago, if you count the year that we met in our house, 10 years in this building, the Lord placed it on my wife and I's heart that we, were, that we are called to plant churches we did it 10 years ago, and that's something that we still feel called to do. So we know the vision that God has for our life. And so for the next, for the past few months, we've been exploring, well, what does that look like? So what is that? That's moving in that direction. So you got to ask yourself, friends, what is it that God has called you to do? What is the vision that you are supposed to move in? And then what's the steps necessary to move in that direction? And maybe you, could ask, maybe you can honestly ask this question about yourself and be truthful. Well, maybe you have the vision, maybe you've seen it, maybe you've got this idea, but really, you could really say that you've been kind of stagnant. So a question you can ask yourself, have you become stagnant on the vision that God has for you? What does stagnant mean? Stagnant means showing no activity, dull or sluggish. It's not flowing, it's not changing, and it's not progressing. So as a, as a follower of Christ, we are called to flow. We're called to change. We're called to progress. And what happens often in our walk with the Lord is perhaps circumstances happen. Perhaps we just, you know, we get tired. Perhaps 
there's a sin issue that, that just it becomes the stumbling block that we can't get past over, and we find ourselves becoming stagnant. So, so honestly, ask, your, ask yourself, in your walk with Christ, in your life in general, have you become stagnant? Have you stopped flowing? Have you grown to a place and now you're no longer changing? I've been living for the Lord for 18 years, and friends, I'm telling you, today I'm still growing from glory to glory as I did when I first committed my life to Christ. When I first committed my life to Christ, the outward change was more prevalent for people to see. I stopped smoking uh, weed. I stopped doing drugs. I stopped cussing. I stopped drinking and, and doing all that other stuff. So on the outward, people seeing that there was a progression. But here, 18 years later, let me tell you, when God starts actually dealing with the attitudes of your heart, sometimes that's what takes a lifetime to deal with. And even on the inside, God is, is growing and challenging my leadership, growing and challenging my service, growing and challenging my faith, growing and challenging my prayer life, growing and challenging my devotional life, growing and challenging me as a father, as a husband. It's an everyday growth process. I never feel like, well, I finally got it. Because I'm telling you what, the minute that, man, I feel like I got two feet under me and then I'm moving forward, that's when it feels like, man, it all falls apart again. And then I got to relearn it all again. That's my, that's my, that's been my journey. Mother Teresa says this, powerful. How many of us have ever heard of Mother Teresa? Wonderful woman of God. This is what she says. She says, even if you're on the right track, you'll get run over if you just sit there. If you're on the right track, and I like the picture of the, of the, the little chair sitting on the train track. Even if you're on the right track, you'll get run over if you're just sitting there. Well, I'm on the right track. I see the direction, and that's the direction I'm supposed to go. But you're sitting. Sometimes, friends, we just need a nudge. You know that? Sometimes we just need a nudge. Has anyone here ever taught their child how to ride their bicycle? Has anyone here had that, the privilege of doing that? What, it, what happens when your kid's on a bike? Okay, can they actually get the pedal started by themselves? Not at first. Not at first. You have to do what? You have to stand behind them, hold their, you know, their back or, the, or their seat or whatever, and what do you do? You nudge them. And then what happens eventually? You release them. Friends, sometimes we need a nudge. And just out of a sign of, of faith, could you just go ahead and nudge your neighbor? Just nudge them. Just give them a little push. Give them a little poke. Give them a little nudge. Sometimes we just need that. Sometimes, sometimes we just need that little bit of a prod. We need that nudge. Sometimes we need a nudge. Sometimes we need a word. Sometimes we become stagnant because there's no revelation. So... The Lord will give us a word. Have you ever heard of a prophetic word? Yeah. Okay. It's, ha it's in the Bible. It's in the scripture. It happens today. There are many people in this body that function prophetically, but it doesn't mean that you go chasing after the word. But, for some time, but, but sometimes the Lord gives us a word because we need a nudge. So the Lord will give us a word. Sometimes we just need somebody to come alongside us 
and give us a little bit of direction. How many, how many gentlemen in here absolutely love it when you get lost and you got to ask somebody for directions? Well, we don't have to do that anymore. The Lord spared us by creating the internet. <laughs> but I don't know about you, but one of the hardest times for me as a man to do is to ask for directions. Back in the day, we used to have MapQuest, or I don't know, here, we'll even go back further. You used to go to the gas station or go to AAA and buy that big old map that was like this big. And then so say you were going from here to Florida, and then you'd, you'd chart the way that you're going to go there. And so you got that big, huge map. I mean, can you imagine trying to pull that thing out as you're driving? You know, you're trying to follow along. Usually there's somebody with you next to you, and they're trying to tell you where to go, and you're missing your exit, and you're doing all this. And then you're getting lost, and you're somehow you're in, like, West Virginia somewhere, and, you're, and your car is, like, the, it's, it's overheating, and, and you're stuck there. And your wife is asking, true story, well, we should ask for help. <laughs> and I'm like, we got this. We can figure this out. Sometimes we need a little bit of help. Sometimes, sometimes the Lord will bring someone into our life that will just kind of come alongside and say, you know what? I see the gifts and the calling of God, and, 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 I, and it just looks like you're moving in that direction. Sometimes we need that encouragement. Because sometimes in moving in that direction, we stop because we get discouraged, we get frustrated, we get flustered. Maybe, maybe God's doing something in us where instead of continuing to move, we feel like we need to take a break. Has anyone here ever ran before? Like a mile? <laughs> Anybody ever run a mile? Anybody ever run more than a mile? Anybody ever run a th- three miles? Okay, if you've ever ran three miles, did you just like wake up one day and run three miles? If you did, you're a boss. Air pound right now. <laughs> Okay, I've run three miles, and it started with me first running a mile. And then in my mind, I'm like, well, I can do two miles. And so then it was like a mile, and then my mind said two miles, my body said one and a half. You see what I'm saying? And so there was times that I took a break. And sometimes we do, we take a break, but there's got to be that, okay, let's get back, let's go. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18, how many of us know that we were created to grow? Say this, say, I, I am, say, I am a person called to grow. Second Peter chapter 3, verse 18 says this, it says, but grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, to him be glory, both now and forever, amen. Friends, there are, there are multiple scriptures, but just for a sake of time, we're not going to get into it. Multiple scriptures that talk about growth in the New Testament, we're called to progress, we're called to grow. And friends, many of us, we've committed our life to Christ, and now it's time for us to commit ourselves to growth. We have to commit ourselves to growth. In order for you to grow, you need to commit to growth. Do you know that? We have to commit to growth. Now, there's part, now we were created, there's something inside of us where, where, where physically we are automatically, you know, growth prone in that we start with infancy and we become adults. Well, friends, the same thing is in the spirit realm. When we first commit our lives to Christ, that's why the Bible says we must be born again. We are spiritual babes. Paul talks about that in the New Testament. But we should come to a place where we grow and mature and then we move into what you would even say a spiritual adult. But in order for that to happen, friends, we got to commit ourselves to growth. Now, again, like I said, in our DNA, we're naturally, you know, we naturally created for growth. But let me tell you this. I'm not, I'm, 
I don't have a green thumb, but I know that if I take a plant and put it in a place where there is good soil and fertile ground and a lot of sunlight, that thing is going to grow healthy and strong. I'm not that smart and I'm not that dumb, but I know that works. So in order for it to grow, there needs to be sunlight and there needs to be nourishment, the ground. Friends, do you know that that is symbolic even of our spiritual walk? That, friends, that we need to have plenty of the sun's light, God, the Lord, that even the scripture talks about that the light of his countenance, his presence, would shine down on us, friends, that it would be filling us with him, and that we place ourselves in an environment for the word, uh, where the word of the Lord can bring sustenance and, and strength to us. And friends, I guarantee you, you, you will flourish where you're planted. Psalms 31, verse 16 even says, it says, May your face shine on your servant in your grace, in your gracious love, deliver me. What is that, friends, when you're in his presence? Let, the, let his face shine on you. Let the brilliance of his glory radiate on you. Friends, get into the presence of the Lord. Get into prayer, get into worship, get into that time of intimacy with him that his face would shine on you as his servant. And then also, friends, that we would, the word of the Lord, that we would eat the meat of the word, that we would place ourselves in a position to have nourishment from his word. Jesus said, man does not live on bread alone, but every word that comes from the mouth of God. And since our relationship with our God is progressive. That means it develops over time. It's a gradual, continuous, ongoing thing. I'm going to give us just a few tips to help us on the journey. Do you like tips? Have you ever tried to put something together and you went on YouTube and that what they did? They gave you a few tips. Do this. Don't do that. (laughs) This doesn't work. When you know you were going to do it just like that. Good thing you watched the YouTube video that, that showed you don't do it like this. It's a tip. So I'm going to give just a few tips to help us on this journey, on this question that we can ask ourselves, well, what's next for me? Number one, plan. Say plan. Uh-oh. He's going to get unspiritual. Plan. Let me tell you this. Here's a quote, and it's this. The first step towards getting somewhere is to decide that you are not going to stay where you are. The first step towards getting somewhere is to decide, I'm not staying here. I'm not going to stay here. So if you feel called to go somewhere, then we can't stay where we're at. You know, many of us would ask, and I've even asked this question myself, well, well, God, what is your plan? What is your plan? What's your plan for me? God, what's your plan? What, what's the plan? What anybody here ever asked that? Lord, what's the plan? Because I know the scripture says, uh, many are the plans you have for me. So God, what's your plan? What's the plan? What's your plan? Can I tell you something? Can I share something with you? Perhaps God's plan is for you to make a plan. Perhaps the plan of the Lord for you is to make a plan. What if God's plan was for you to plan? We're asking God, what's your plan? And he's like, well, I want you to start a plan. 
Lord, what's your plan for me? We'll start a plan, and then we'll plan out what, what the plan is. Proverbs chapter 16, verse 9 says this. It says, in their heart, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Now, let me share this. This verse is not a cop-out to make plans. This verse is not an excuse to have a lack of plans. Well, I'm not going to plan because the Lord's going to determine my steps. No, I think you totally misread this verse. It says, in their hearts, humans plan their course, or a man plans his course, but the Lord establishes his steps. No, friends, this isn't a cop-out to make plans. This verse is actually an encouragement that the Lord is going to establish your footing on your plans. How can he establish your footing if you have no plan? Friends, the Lord's plan for you is to plan. Come on. Somebody needs to look at their neighbor and say, you need a plan. Is planning fun? If you're a planner, yeah, it is. If you're not a planner, it's not fun. But for those who like plans and strategies and they like to have little dots and they like to move forward and they like to see things move, that's a lot of fun. They get, they get excited about that. But if you find yourself more spontaneous like me, planning isn't always the, the, the most fun thing. But let me tell you this. How can the Lord establish your footing if you have no plan? He can't establish your footing without a plan. That's why it's, it's, it's actually in that order that what? That, the, that a man in their heart that they have plans. They're, they're going to do something. But the Lord establishes the footing. For example, I might in my mind, I might say, I'm going to go from here and I'm going to go to that clock. That's my plan. My plan is to go from this pulpit to that clock in the back of the room. So I need to get from here to there and I don't quite know how to do that. So I'm going to start somewhere. I'm going to start moving this way. I start walking in this direction and the Lord says, hold up. Hold on, go this way. Okay. Well, I'm going to follow the direction of the Lord. Okay, my plan is to get there. Okay, I'm going to start going this way. Okay, wait, stop. You need to go this way. Okay, okay, I'm going to go this way. All right, Lord, I'm still following you. I know my plan is that. Okay, I'm going to start going forward. Okay, hold up. Wait, wait, wait. Nope, go this way. I'm going this way. All right, I'm still, I'm, that's my plan. Nope, I'm going this way now. But I'm following the Lord. What is he doing? He's establishing my steps. I see a straight line from the pulpit to the, to the clock. But the Lord is telling me, no, you need to go this way. So then I'm going this way. Am I getting to the clock? Here I go. Boom. Bam, I got to the clock. My plan was to go straight through the aisle. That's the easiest way in my own mind. So I'm going to go from here to there. But as I started on my journey, the Lord said, stop, hold on, we're going to go this direction. Why? Because you know what? It doesn't always look the way that we think for it to look. And I guarantee you that on the journey to get there, you're going to learn things. You're going to grow. The Lord's going to do something in you. He's going to put fire in you. He's going to put passion in you. He's going to give you, he's going to give you faith. You're going to have more vision. It's going to be exciting. And the way that I saw it, it wasn't the exact way that the Lord saw it, but the Lord knows and he established my steps and got me to that plan. Got me to that direction. So number one, again, you want a tip on the journey? Plan. Make a plan. Have a strategy. Write it out. We need to plan for the journey. Has anyone here ever went on vacation? Did you just drop everything and, dr and walk out the door? 
Did you actually plan for that time away? You absolutely did. First, you had to make sure you had enough money, right? Mm-hmm. Okay? For most of us, if you know you're going for a few days, you're going to make sure you have a few set of clothes so you're not wearing the same stank clothes every day. If you have kids, you're going to make sure that your kids aren't fighting on the car ride to there. So you're going to make sure they have toys, they have stuff to keep them, uh, books, they have coloring stuff, they have some sort of devices to keep them occupied. What did you do? You planned for your journey. Friends, it's the same in the spirit. It's the same in our walk with the Lord. If I know there's something inside of me that desires to start a business, but I don't know what that looks like, you know what would be a good place to start? Educating myself on how to do that. Or perhaps even getting some sort of training to get there. But for many of us, what we do is we have this idea and then we're not moving forward on the training process. Well, I'm called to do this. I know that the Lord wants me to do this. But what are we doing to get there? That's where a lot of people, that's, that's where the big divide and the big gap is. Because there's a, dreaming is fun. Planning can be fun for those who like to do it. But getting there is, is that's where it gets rocky. This is powerful. The Lord spoke to me this, and I was like, wow. I'm going to share this with you. Ask yourself this question. Is your present state capable of handling what you see yourself doing in the future? I'm going to go ahead and answer that for you. No. Why? Because if you were able to do it, you'd already be doing it. I'm going to say that again. The Lord dropped that in my spirit. I was like, wow. Is your present state capable handling of what you see yourself doing in the future? I'm going to go ahead and answer that for you. No. Why? Because if you were able to do it, you'd already be doing it. You'd already be there. I even put my name on there. Bam. Quote from me. How you like that? Got my own quote. Throw it on the internet. Mother Teresa, J.P. Morgan, Josh Hester. Bam, there, I threw my own quote. <laughs> so then ask ourselves the question then, then what do I need to do to get where I'm going? What is it that I need to do? There's a second service. You can take a picture of it in the second service, babe. What do I need to do to get where I'm going? What is it that I need to do? Again, I already talked about this. Perhaps you need some sort of training of some, some sort. I guarantee you, if you're called to do something that's greater than you, you're going to need training. Let me say this. If you don't get anything out of this, get this. If what you're called to do is greater than what you're doing right now, you're going to need training for it. So what is it for you to get that training? What does that look like? I can't tell you. You have to, you have to do that. That's the fun part of this whole thing is that you exploring what the Lord's called you to do, not me telling you what you're supposed to do. And that's what makes it an adventure. Here we go, and I'm going to just go ahead and I'm going to throw this out here. Okay, you might even, you might say to yourself, well, I'm too old for this. I'm too old for this, you know, to plan, and, you know, I'm over 60 and all this other stuff. And let me say this, if you're over 60, friends, you're not off the hook. Because Moses was 80 when he actually fulfilled his destiny. And let me say this, Abraham was 100 when he walked in the promises of God with his son Isaac. Friends, the older you are, the greater the impact you're still called to have. 
So don't say, well, I'm too old to, you know, my life has went past me. No, you're called to have a greater impact at your older years. And let me just say this to the young people. Friends, walk in the plan God has for you now. Don't wait for your, to become an adult. Well, when I become an adult, I'm going to do this, that, and No, friends, walk in the plan he has for you right now as a young person. Walk in it today. He's called you and anointed you now. If you're in this house, if you've committed your life to Christ, if you're 13, 14, 15, friends, walk in that plan now, not when you're 21, not when you're 35. Walk in it now. Number two, number one, plan. Number two, we got to pray. We got to pray just to make it today. We got to mm, pray. Come on, you know, you know we got to pray. You can't just plan and then just, just go run forward with it because if you do that, most likely there's going to be a shipwreck at the end of it. So we plan and then we pray. And some people will say, well, I'm going to pray before I plan. You can do that. But I think it's better to have a strategy and then pray through that thing than to pray and try to get a plan because sometimes we, that doesn't work that way. Sometimes. Sometimes it does. Sometimes you pray and the Lord just do, 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 do. Here's a quote. Prayer is not a spare wheel that you pull out when you're in trouble. It's a steering wheel that directs you on the right path throughout the journey. It's not the spare wheel when you're in trouble. Well, I got to pray. I'm in, I'm, in, I'm in jail. Lord, get me out of jail. Oh, oh man, I'm in this place again where, where my finances are a wreck. Oh, Lord, keep my electric bill on. <laughs> it's not a spare wheel that we pull out when we're in trouble. It's a steering wheel that directs. How, it is, how does he establish your footing? You make the plan, you stay in communion with God, and you're talking with him, so he, that's how you know that you, you go to the left, you go right, you're going to do the loop-de-loop, and you're going to eventually get to where he's called you to be. He directs us through the journey. It's imperative that we seek the face of God throughout all our endeavors. Joshua chapter 9 has a very clear lesson to learn about what happens when you just move ahead with things without seeking the Lord. In Joshua chapter 9, verse 14 and 15, uh, we're going to read those two verses, but here I'm going to give you kind of a, a little bit of a background here at the beginning of chapter 9. The title of chapter 9 is called The Gibeonite Deception because what happened was Joshua and all of the Israelites, they were conquering every single people group. They were conquering them. I mean, they were just annihilating every single one of them. The Gibeonites heard that the Israelites were slaughtering and, and destroying all these people groups, and they got afraid. So, the, so they came up uh, with, with, I like how uh, the NIV says, they came up with a ruse to deceive the people of Israel. And what did they do? They took all of their, all of their uh, people that were going to go and meet with the Israelites, and they all had worn-out clothing, just like the, the old stuff was all raggedy and tag. And then what they did was they, they put all kinds of food that was moldy and decrepit and nasty and, you know, it looked like it was a long journey. So the Gibeonites came to them and they said, we've traveled from far, far away and, and we've heard of all the exploits that God's doing and, and, we'll, and, and because we're so far off and, and, and we know what you're doing to all of the surrounding nations, would you make a treaty with us? And so this is what it says in verse 14. It says, the Israelites sampled their provisions. Remember, they're looking at, the, at, at their food and their clothes. 
Their food looks all moldy and like it's, like it's old. Their clothes are all tattered like they've been on this journey for a long time. They sampled their provisions, but they did not inquire of the Lord. Verse 15, then Joshua made a covenant of a treaty of peace with them to let them live, and the leaders of the assembly ratified it by, by the oath. Later on, they realized these guys were not very far. They were, their, they were a neighboring people group, and because they made an oath that they wouldn't kill them, the Bible actually says that the Gibeonites became a snare to them. What happened? Okay, they, they sampled their provisions. This is a life verse for me. And it looked good, and it looked like it exactly was what they thought it was, and so they went ahead and went along with the plan of making a treaty, and later on it became a snare. Why? That one verse that I, that I underlined, it's, that's the reason why. They did not inquire of the Lord. So number two, we have to pray. We got a plan, and we have to pray. We have to seek the face of the Lord. Because sometimes the plan we think, I could say, you know what, I'm, 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 I'm supposed to get from this pulpit to that, to that clock, but in all actuality, the plan of the Lord for me is to get from this pulpit to that door. You see what I'm saying? So that's why we have to seek the Lord. That's why we have to inquire on Him. That's why we got to stay in that. Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. I love how it says it in the New Living Translation. It says, don't worry about anything, but pray about everything. Love it. Don't worry about anything. Jesus says, what, what will worrying add to your life? <laughs> Gray hair. <laughs> I mean, that's about it. Take a few life years away from you at the end. Worrying doesn't add anything to our life. He says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for what all he has done. Thank him. It's one of the reasons when we have services together, I'm like, let's just thank him for what he's done, for who he is. Because we're called to thank him for everything. Number one, we're to plan. Number two, we're to pray. And number three, we are to proceed. Proceed. <laughs> Proceed means to go, to move, to advance, to make progress, to carry on. So the question we can ask ourselves, remember, thought-provoking questions. What is holding us back from proceeding? What excuse is in our mind that's keeping us from moving forward? Friends, let me say this. If it's a confidence issue, perhaps it's a confidence issue that's not allowing you to move forward. Ask yourself, well, really... Whose strength are you walking in anyway? Because if you're walking in your own strength, then a confidence issue you can have. But friends, if you're walking in the strength of the Lord, then you don't need to have confidence in yourself. That's the enemy in fear. You need to walk in the strength of the Lord and move forward. You need to proceed. You need to go. You need to run. Perhaps it's a past issue. Maybe you're reasoning in your brain for not moving forward is that there's something in your past. you got a spotted past. You, you have a lot of baggage that you're carrying. You, you've been through a, the hard not life. Can I just say this? Friends, the Lord wants us to get freedom. If you're holding on to something that's in the past, friends, either deal with it, get deliverance, or allow the Lord to heal you. Because let me tell you this. If you keep looking back at your past, friends, it's going to distract you from what God's called you to do in the future. 
What happened? Even Jesus said, what? Remember Lot's wife. What did she do? She looked back. Jesus said that any man who puts his hands to the plow and looks back is not fit for the kingdom. What does that mean? That means we move forward. And friends, let's not look back. Paul says that I keep my eyes fixed forward. I I strain towards the goal, not looking back. Friends, we're not supposed to look back. There's a small clip that I want to show you, a 30-second clip by Lisa Brevere, and I think she'll explain it just a little bit better. on the next tab. Okay, if that tab's not up there, this is what I'm going to tell you. She said it so much better, and I'm just going to quote what she said. This is what she said. She said, the attack on your life has much more to do with who you might be in the future than who you've been in the past. Let me say this one more time. You can go ahead. Just go ahead and put, the, uh, I'll put this quote up on the, on the screen there, Sherry. The attack on your life has much more to do, this is Lisa Brevere, has much more to do with who you might be in the future than who you've been in the past. What you're going through right now has little to do with what you were and it has more to do with who you're going to be. Come on, some of you guys need to, need to receive that right now in the name of Jesus. You need to know what you're going through now is not because of who you were. It's not because of what doors you opened in the past. It's not because of what you once did. It's because of the enemy is afraid of who you might be. He's afraid of who you are called to be. Friends, if we're called to grow from glory to glory, then, friends, he is absolutely afraid of the person that you can be walking in the fullness of Christ, walking as a full, mature Christian, walking in the authority and the plans and the purpose that he has for you, walking uprightly, walking in victory, knowing the authority that you have to to, to pray, to seek, to proclaim, to prophesy. So the attack that you're going through right now has a little to do with who you were and has all to do with who you're becoming. And we gotta, we gotta have this drive inside of us. We gotta have this deposit in our spirit. Just like the song that we used to sing, that I'm not going back. I'm moving ahead. I'm not going back. I'm here to declare to you, my past is over. In you, old things are made new. I've surrendered my life to Christ. And I'm moving I'm moving forward. I'm moving forward. Friends, we're called and created to do great things. Daniel chapter 11, verse 32, in the American Standard Version says this. It talks about this wicked stuff right here in the beginning of the verse. And such as do wickedly against the covenant shall he pervert by flatteries. Basically talking about, you know, all that stuff. That's just part of the verse. Second part of the verse is the puncher. But the people that know their God, say know their God, shall be strong. Come on. Just go ahead and say it with me. Shall be strong and do exploits. What is an exploit? An exploit is a bold or daring feat. 
It's an act. It's an adventure. It's an escapade. So those that know their God will be strong and do exploits. They'll do feats. They'll be bold. They'll act. They'll adventure. They'll have escapades. Friends, when you know your God, let me tell you this, the Lord has called you to do exploits. We're going to end on this verse, and this is Psalm 1. We're going to read verse 1 through 3 here. One of the most beautiful verses in all of the Scripture. I love how the psalmist has this picture of, of growth with us. Verse 1, it says, Blessed is the one who does not walk in step with the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit at the company of mockers. Verse 2, But whose delight is in the law of the Lord, who meditate on his law day and night. Verse 3, here it is. Beautiful. This is, this is what you, this is you. Say, this is me. This is for you right here. That person is like a tree planted by streams of water, which yields its fruit in season, and whose leaves, whose leaf does not wither, whatever they do prospers. Friends, when you delight in him, when you don't depart from his word, when you meditate on it day and night, when you're seeking the face of the Lord, friends, the Lord says that he's going to plant you by what? Streams of waters. You're going to be refreshed every single day. You're going to bear fruit every day. And whatever you do will prosper. Friends, the question is, is what's next? What's next for you? What's next for your family? What are you called to do? How is it that you can move forward? Friends, I don't know about you. I know that I'm going to continue moving forward. And hopefully we can journey together in doing that. We're going to do something very special today. I asked us earlier about many of us committed our lives to Christ, but I believe many of us need to commit our lives to growth. We're going to receive communion today. Communion is just what? It's reiterating our covenant relationship with him. Would you stand to your feet with me today? If we can have our worship team come up. We're going to receive communion today. And I look at communion as this. If you're a person in here that have made a commitment in marriage, and you've been married, say you've been married 10 or 15 years, 20 years, sometimes what people do is they renew their vows. Have you ever heard that before? They'll do a vow renewal. And that's what taking communion is. It's a vow renewal to the Lord. It's you saying, God, I trust in you. My life is yours. I'm receiving from you, and I'm giving myself to you. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that a man ought to examine himself before he receives communion. So we're just going to take about, about 30 seconds to a minute, and would you just examine yourself? Would you say... As David said, Lord, search me. What's inside? Is there, is there stuff inside my life, inside my heart, in my mind that's not pleasing to you? If there is, God, I just surrender it to you today. And you just go ahead and you just, you just whisper that out. So God, I just surrender and just put it out there. God, I surrender this anger that I have. God, I surrender this unforgiveness. God, I surrender this perversion that's in my mind. God, I, sur I surrender this fear that is always attacking me. God, I surrender. Whatever it is, you just go ahead and insert what it is that, that, that's being placed at the forefront of your mind. 
I just surrender to you today. Right now, I just sense in this house people just getting in right relations with God right this moment. Just getting that connection again. Connecting with him. There's something powerful about us asking him to forgive us and wash us clean. And then just commit yourself again to him. Say, God, here I am. Lord, I've committed my life to you. And I received the word of the Lord today, and I'm going to commit my life to growth. I want to grow. I want to prosper. I want to go from glory to glory. I don't want to stay where I'm at. I don't want to be, become stagnant. I don't want to hold on to things of the past. I don't want to hold on to bitterness. Lord, I choose to forgive. I choose to let go today. And I choose to receive from you. And friends, we're going to receive communion today together. So if if you're in this section right here, you can come on and slip on out of your seat and uh, receive each of the elements of communion and hold on to them. We're going to receive them together. If you're in the middle section, allow Pastor Joy and Shua to serve you. And then if you're in this section, you guys can come on and slip on out of your seats. And the Nemus will gladly serve you guys today.